0: I think people get so caught up in it feeling like it has to be like fully planned out or that they fully have to have like a good sense of like, well, I need to know everything about this thing or I need to, like sometimes just going in there and doing it and then figuring it out after the fact is more powerful than having everything planned out.
1: This is... Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode thirty four of Epic Ordinary Lives the podcast that rests in the idea that you sharing your story can help other people because we can learn from each other's experiences, both those challenging experiences and the glorious, wonderful experiences. Right now in Nashville, there is a complete lack of any kind of AT&T service because of another tragedy that occurred here at the tail end of 2020. So at the time of releasing this podcast, it's going to be hopefully uh, after that is already over. This just seems to be yet another bookend of a challenging and crazy year. This episode is part two with Seth Budai. In part one, which was released in the last episode, we really talked about his journey with his wife uh, as a personal trainer of moving and, and journeying to find home, to find the place that both of them feel a deep sense within that is the right place for them to live. And this episode, which is a continuation of that conversation, is more about him launching his business in the aftermath of the pandemic, and the lessons that he's learned as a very new creator of a business. This is very much an episode about uh, taking some knowledge base that you have and then finding out if you can do it as as your own thing, as your own business. I was very inspired by how vulnerable Seth is, and we also talk a lot about his particular business, which is the elemental trainer. What I find fascinating about the elemental trainer concept is that it is taking the notion of all of the elements in nature, fire, earth, wind, water, and applying them to emotional states that correlate with different training paradigms. We get into that in the podcast, so you can hear more as you listen. But it is not uh, just a, a, a simple training modality that's around uh, increasing your bench press or losing weight. It is very much a holistic practice which connects emotional states with movement and exercise and health and becoming a balanced human being. So I'm reading Seth's bio. Seth Budai is a physical educator and embodiment coach based out of Asheville, North Carolina. Seth has been in the wellness field for the last 15 years, teaching in diverse disciplines from competitive martial arts to Olympic lifting. He is the founder of The Elemental Trainer, a coaching business that helps people reach their true potential through movement, education, and embodiment practices. If you've not heard part one, then you might want to check that out first because we pick up right where we left off. Uh, And I also want to say that uh, if you're listening to my podcast, then you probably are uh, hearing a lot of metaphors that I use in conversation. I love metaphors. I can't help but gravitate toward uh, using metaphors to deepen my understanding of the world and what folks are talking about on the podcast, ideas, ideas. But at one point toward the end of this episode, I I described the desert of Florida, and I just want to be clear, I know that Florida is not a desert. I was actually speaking more in a metaphorical sense of that chapter in his life, which was a very, at least for part of it, which is detailed in the previous episode, it's a challenging kind of dry period of of not being in alignment with his his true path so in any case i just want to be clear uh on the uh, awareness of the the geographic uh qualities of florida with that being said if you want to check out more what seth's doing you can go to the elementaltrainer.com he's available on social media and if you want to check out more episodes of the podcast, go to epicordinarylives.com. You can email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at epicordinarylives.com. If you're feeling uh, very generous, uh, writing a review on Apple iTunes is a giant thing for you to do. Take a couple of minutes uh, to, to write a review. I, I, I deeply appreciate it. And if you share it with folks that you love, that's also a huge help. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation about taking the leap into becoming an entrepreneur with Seth Budai on Epic Ordinary Lives. So let us go into the next chapter because there's so many lessons that have been learned with getting to home. And that once you arrive, you're not done. <laughs> like you're, it, yeah. And yet you get to this place of more comfort, stability. You feel accepted. What happens after that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing has been, um, you know, obviously the pandemic was a very weird uh, transition of things for a couple of reasons. A big one being that like, so I had been doing my classes here, you know, ever since I moved and doing move net classes. And, uh, and the personal training was something that I wanted to get back into. I really enjoy personal training. And that's where my, my origin story kind of uh, some of it started with personal training. So I love working one on one with people. But it's been something that over the course of the last few years, I haven't really gotten to do a lot of. So I, when I started doing the classes here in Asheville I kind of was doing some personal training but not much and and it was mostly because I was trying to prioritize the classes as being kind of the main uh, facilitator of like what I was going to be doing and if I it's one of those things that like I should have kind of picked up on it early on that like I really enjoy doing personal training more than doing group classes That's something I've known about myself for a really long time. But I was just like, I think so enthralled with MoveNet that I like just wanted to share it with as many people as possible. And it made more sense to do a group format in order to do that, where I could just have a lot more people that I was kind of like sharing that type of methodology with them. But I really enjoyed working one-on-one with people more. So it was kind of one of those things where it was this kind of push and pull And I I got to do some one-on-one training, but not as much as I would like to do. And so I kind of always had in the back of my mind, like, it would be kind of cool to do like a training business where I'm doing a lot of personal training, um, but I don't know exactly if I want all the headache of it. And, you know, kind of going back to what we mentioned before, where it just kind of always felt to me like being a business owner meant you're kind of working your fingers to the bone. You never really get a chance to take a break. And, you know, it's... I. I've heard it spun mostly negative and not a lot of positive. So because of that, it made me very hesitant to want to jump into that territory. And some of it was that like, okay, well, it means, you know, buying a building or it means like renting a building, renting a space. It means getting equipment. It means like all these logistical things that I don't really care that much about because I really just like the meat of the, the thing of like, you know, actually training people. And the pandemic was a weird thing for me because once it started and like almost immediately I transitioned, you know, my stuff to being virtual. So my classes went virtual and my personal training went virtual. Um, And I like the virtual classes kind of became a thing where I would record the classes, but I wouldn't really have a lot of people in them. And it wasn't really that successful. And my classes up to that point, even before the pandemic, Um, they had never really gotten traction the way that I would have liked them to. Um, And I I don't really know what that is, but I think some of it was just that like my passion was really ultimately to work one-on-one with people. So I think it was like a little bit of like a mixed thing of, I was trying to put a lot of effort into something that ultimately I think I wanted to be somewhere else. And so I, when I started doing the virtual thing, and started doing the classes and started working some one-on-one with people, I kind of realized like, well, this is really nice. Like, especially like I have a lot of clients that like have really nice home gyms. They already have equipment and they already have a space to work out of. And, uh, so I was thinking like, well, what if I, I mean, like I'm still working for this, uh, you know, for this gym that I was training at, and it still made sense up to you know a month or two into the pandemic, but then it was like, okay, we're gonna be doing this for a while. And I kind of realized that like, maybe this is like kind of a perfect opportunity to flex the muscle of getting into doing my own thing. And um, it just kind of felt very natural to, to close out doing classes, which is something that I had kind of debated about doing anyways, because my classes were kind of pretty weak at the time. I only had three or four people coming to the classes. They weren't very lucrative. Wasn't really making any money off of it. It was more just a passion thing. And so I decided like, okay, I'm just going to stop doing classes. I'm going to resituate and I'm going to go into just starting my own training business and just see what happens with it, you know? And, uh, you know, just invest a little bit of money to set up some infrastructure and uh, kind of figure out like, the ins and outs of kind of learning along the way and just see what happens. You know, maybe, maybe it'll be, you know, a nice little thing on the side. Maybe it'll take a lot. I kind of expected it to take a long time to get traction, to be honest, especially with it being like the pandemic. And like, I just kind of assumed that a lot of people wouldn't want to start up training in the middle of something like that. And didn't really know if it was like the best thing for like right in the middle of something. But I basically met with the guy that I have been kind of like partnered up with. And told him, like, hey, I'm going to be starting my own business. I don't want to, like, steal anybody from you. I want to be very respectful. Like, you've definitely helped me out a lot along the way. And I'm not looking to, like, try and do you dirty or anything like that. And so um, once I told him that, he was like, well, I actually thought it was kind of a perfect timing because, you know, I was kind of taking my workload down to where I was training less because he just had a baby and he was wanting to spend more time at home with his kid. And so it ended up really working out in the long run because it was kind of a perfect transition Um, at kind of the same time. As I said, like, I think I'm going to start my own business. Um, It ended up being like this weird thing where I had this huge influx of people that just wanted to train with me, like almost immediately, like after I had kind of like, and I think that was just the universe meeting me halfway of saying like, I've wanted you to do this for a long time. Why haven't you done this up till now? And so it was like almost immediately, literally within, within, uh, it's been, it's been almost four months. Well, I guess about three and a half months. And within about three months I was completely booked up where I couldn't take any more people. So, um, so my business literally went from zero to a (laughs) hundred. Wow. And, uh, and it was just because I even kind of, even on the hesitant side, I knew that it was something that I think I would be good at, but I was always hesitant because there were a lot of signs that acted like I wouldn't be good at it. So it was like, it was kind of one of those things of like, do you trust everybody else or do you trust yourself? And I just had to say like, no, I trust myself. Mm -hmm. And so once I made it happen, it was just like a, a domino effect of like, okay, well, now I have like tons of people who want to train with me. Well, well, I didn't really expect for this. This is really strange. What do I do now? (laughs) It's like a very weird thing of like, okay, well now like I actually have like a semblance of a business. Like, you know, I I started it kind of with the expectation that it would take a year or two to kind of get rolling and I'm rolling in, you know, really short amount of time. So um, it's been, yeah, kind of a chaotic jump into things.
1: It's interesting what you said about you had all this external advice or just chatter, which was well-intended or maybe not even in, you know, you either, you're reading articles, you're hearing other people's voices that go, well, Hey man, starting a business. It's no joke. It's hard. It'll take time. And all of that information is valuable, but until you are the one doing it. And so I just think that's a, a place to linger on a little bit is, people have doubts. People have doubts about things that are good for them. You know, sometimes you feel a pull to do something and you're met with doubts and sometimes you feel doubts and it's like a good, you know, it's like, no man, like this is not, this is not your work. This is not your path. So how do you think in your own life, how do you navigate the difference between those two that was a doubt that maybe wasn't founded ultimately as you've gotten into this thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a huge part of it was understanding my kind of understanding my self-worth. And I think over the course of this, the last several years, I've really helped. I've gone further and further into understanding that like, not only do I have a lot of experience in this field, I'm also a very desired trainer that people do want to work with me. And I think knowing your worth, is like probably the biggest defining thing that you can do for like building a brand or building a business. Because if you understand your worth, everybody else has an easier time understanding your worth. I think people have a really hard time understanding your worth if you don't understand your worth. So if you go into something and you just kind of like, well, I'd kind of like to do this thing, but I don't know if I'm good at it. Like for me, it was never a thing of like, I don't know whether I'm good at training. It was more like I don't really know if I want to do this more than it was like a thing of I don't know if I'll be good at it. I've been a person who's always been very like self-confident. So I'm a person that like I know that if I put if I put effort into something, I know I'm gonna make it successful because I'm very driven to do that and I'm very passionate about what I do. So it wasn't like a I wasn't starting from shaky ground. And I think that's like a big I think that's why, um, things like kind of jumped right off the, the, um, the ground for me is because I, even though I had doubts about starting the business, I didn't have doubts about it being successful. I just didn't know, um, exactly the ins and outs of like whether or not I wanted to do it. And I think for me, it was like becoming successful at it made me realize like, Oh, I do want to do this. But it's kind of like a weird thing where like it wasn't so much that I was like questioning myself. It was more that I was like questioning whether or not I wanted to do it, Um, which, you know, I don't know. It'll probably ring different for everybody because I I do think it's kind of a a different kind of dynamic than a lot of people live inside of their heads. Because the way I think about things is um, probably a little bit more. I mean I think it can be in some ways a little abrasive to people's ears because they're not used to people like just saying like oh I I can definitely do this but it's like I think getting in that mode like it makes you powerful because people want to follow somebody who knows what they're doing and it's like even if you fake it till you make it people want to follow somebody who thinks believes whatever I mean there's definitely something to be said for even people who are very delusional and hopefully I'm not in that ball ballpark. I probably am to a certain extent, but <laughs> even people who are very delusional about you know, believing that they're really good at something, there's still some power in the fact that they believe they're really good at something. And I think there's a lot of power in believing that like, what you do is powerful. And being able to kind of work off of that, I think adds a lot of value, um, even in kind of a weird way. Like it doesn't have to be, I think people get so caught up in it feeling like it has to be like fully planned out or that they fully have to have like a good sense of like, well, I need to know everything about this thing, or I need to like, sometimes just going in there and doing it and then figuring it out after the fact is more powerful than having everything planned out.
1: That confidence that you're talking about that can border on delusional. And yeah, I
0: mean, it's, there definitely is something to it. To be honest, like, I mean, there's, there's been moments where I have kind of felt like um, I'm kind of going into territory that I know going into it that I'm being a little delusional about it. But I do it because, okay, well, how else am I going to learn? Like, I would rather go into that space and fail. And, and I, I've said this before where it's like, I'd rather take a risk and fail doing it by taking a risk then try and plan everything else and then still maybe fail <laughs> never, i would rather at least take the risk
1: yeah or, or never do it in the first place because you yeah. you had to get it all right you know i i appreciate what you're saying and i think that there's great value in in that faith and confidence and delusion whatever mix of is in that cocktail but I can't help but think about folks that weaponize that kind of, you know, uh, confidence, that kind of sureness. You you did say like fake it until you make it, and I think that there are people in the world where they use that, and and, and it's not to a positive outcome. You know, th- like it seems like that is a tool that can be used for ill or for good, and I can't help but think like how can we all value ourselves more. But also, <laughs> kind of like in Harry Potter or something, have a defense against the dark arts because you are someone that, you know, I guess what I'm saying is confidence is in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's who wields it, kind of like a shovel. A shovel can hit you in the head or a shovel can, I don't know, it can, it can garden, it can create life, it can, you know, bring some wonderful tomatoes onto your plate. And so I, I don't even know if I've asked a question but I guess do you have a do do you have a response to that? Because that is a to me in this world right now where things are quite polarized, sureness, confidence can be used for ill, it seems, sometimes.
0: Yeah. And I, I think some of it goes into understanding what is um when and what is the time to use um the fake it till you make it kind of area and what is the time to Actually know that, that you have the skills or what you need in order to succeed kind of thing. And I think that it's, it's one of those where you get to a certain place and you're going to have plenty to pull from in terms of experience or um, uh, knowledge base. So when I say like fake it till you make it, not usually saying it in the way of, um, trying to, Hmm, I'm trying to, trying to figure out as I'm saying,
1: I'm trying to figure out. Well, you're not, you're not making, I mean, you still have forged these skills and over hundreds of hours, years you've been in this field. So it's not like the same as you're not fabricating that you're a great trainer.
0: Well, and I think some of it is understanding that like what you're faking and what you are um, doing are kind of like two different things because I think like having confidence and like really going in and like doing the thing, I think it could be very beneficial when you're using it to bolster what your knowledge base already is, mm. but it can also be treacherous if you don't have the knowledge base going into it. So for instance, if somebody You know, a a great example um, is like, you know, kind of going back to, I I like to make the chess analogies a lot, but uh, going back to chess, like if, if you have somebody who is really, really good at chess and they come out and just play like a really, really stupid move off the, off the front end, that's okay. Because they, they have the knowledge base to be able to back up the confidence of a move. So they can make a move. And then the person is like super puzzled because they're like, I know there's something that they've planned out. I know there's something they're doing that I'm not picking up on because they have the knowledge base and the person knows that they have the knowledge base, but they just faked it. They didn't, they didn't know what they were going to do with that first, that first move. And I think that kind of plays into like when you have the knowledge base for what you're, you are doing, you know, let's say you're, um, you know, a phenomenal swimmer. If you have the knowledge base, you have a lot more adaptability to kind of fake it till you make it in other ways if you need that. Um, But it's more something that you're using as a skill set rather than using as a
1: mask. Mm. So good. That is a distinction. Let us go to a final chapter in this interview of your what you're doing with this business and the business is called the elemental trainer so how did you decide on this vision how did you decide on the notion of the elemental trainer
0: yeah so over the course of my career uh, like you mentioned i've spent most of my life as a trainer and i have gone through all kinds of different things uh, whether that's training individuals training groups, um, training combatives, or helping people to learn how to fight, uh, helping to train people how to breathe more efficiently, how to train people how to meditate or calm their mind. Um, It's been a journey of a lot of different things. And I find that the things that are the most beneficial are allowing people to connect the dots between where they're currently at and where they like to be. So it's sometimes less about so many people fixate on these little tiny steps. So it's like if you got a journey of 100 steps, people fixate on this one step. Hey, I wanna be able to get my first pull up, or hey, I wanna be able to lose five pounds. And that's awesome. Like definitely no, um, no judgment or no shame or anything around getting those small goals. Those are phenomenal. But what it does a lot of times is it distracts you from the journey of the trip making it up the stairs. So the journey itself has lots and lots of elements along it, meaning allowing you to develop and, and harness your mind, helping you to be able to develop and harness, you know, your your body awareness, helping to develop your sense of being, your sense of um, what you need in the moment, how to ask for what you want or need. Um, there's so much like, psychology that plays into it there's so much dexterity and things like mobility and flexibility and you know physical traits as well but also a lot of other things but the reason why i called it the elemental trainer is because i believe very much that everyone is their own trainer so all i'm doing is help to facilitate that coming out within you so it's less about me saying like this is what we're doing and more about like trying to tap into your own body knowledge of, okay, how does this feel for you? How, how are you feeling today? How, how does this movement feel? Where do you like to get more movement? Where, you know, do you feel like you're blocked in this area, over this area? Allowing those like feedback tools where people can kind of be their own trainer, where all I'm doing is facilitating and they or sorry, all I'm doing is kind of um, acting as the guide and they're kind of really the one that's training themselves Um, i like the idea of the trainer aspect being part of the business where not only am i the trainer so is the person that i'm training so the elemental trainer is really collaborative where it's not just me it is me and the person so it's part of the reason why i like the idea of the elemental trainer where you know people can identify with like i am the elemental trainer you are the elemental trainer, like we all are the elemental trainer. Like it's not like you know I am the only person who is the trainer kind of thing. Um, and then the elemental part, you know, hopefully it's semi self, self, self. I'm it's really I'm yeah. Thank you. Um, but thinking about it as there's lots of different elements, both in terms of physical elements and in terms of like things like your body, your mind, your spirit, the elements of training are a very, very big world. And there's also other ways of looking at it where you tie in integration towards emotion. You tie in integration towards, um, let's say your overall mobility and how some people use mobility as a way to avoid things like strength training. And strength training might be exactly what you need to be doing but because you know, maybe you grew up doing yoga or you just have an affinity for yoga and you love making your body more flexible and contorting your body into lots of different shapes, maybe that's like a safe spot for you. And maybe that's because when you activate your nervous system for a more strength, strength-based movement, um, it feels a little bit unsafe because you almost have to be in more that, uh, that sympathetic state where your body is in almost more of a fight or flight. It's a little bit more unnerving. And I think one of the beautiful things about getting in and understanding multiple elements towards training is it allows for a more holistic view of your training model. So instead of looking at it like, okay, I want to gain strength. I want to gain mobility. Okay, well, that's awesome. Definitely try and go towards that direction. But I also want to find out what pieces do you feel like are missing? Because the thing that you want to gain may or may not be the piece that you feel like is missing. And the piece that you feel like is missing is also going to be the thing that's going to give you the most value in the long run. So it might feel really good to lose five pounds and to be able to do a pull-up, but the thing that you might actually need might be sitting quietly and not doing anything, just focusing on your breath. But that's a much harder thing to do, and that's the idea behind the elemental trainer is that the things that are the hardest to do are the reasons you seek out a trainer. If you want to find somebody who's going to give you the easy thing, it's pretty easy to find online programs that can do, mm. you know, all kinds of things that you want to do. But the idea behind a trainer is that you're hiring them to help you go to the space that's hard for you to go to.
1: Mm. Yeah, like the it's the opposite of doubling down on what you're good at. In any area of life, you've got these things that you naturally are drawn toward. I think it would be helpful if we talked about the different elements, if we identified as they correlate to the actual, you know, elements in the world. So if you want to go there, I think that'll help place context for how this relates to an individual person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to the elemental trainer, my idea kind of formulating it out was to help people to understand what holistic training really means and looks like, And my wife is a psychotherapist. So she has spent a lot of her time and a lot of her education in kind of understanding the human mind. And obviously, I've spent the majority of my life trying to understand the human body. And so we try to kind of collaborate as much as possible in trying to understanding how those things influence each other. And one thing that we both have found very, very um, intimately tied in is the relationship between emotions and physical representations of those emotions, um, even physical elements to those emotions. So to give you a breakdown or an idea of what I'm talking about, if you look at something like the four major elements, you look at earth, air, water, and fire, each element is kind of a representation of our emotional being, as well as different styles of how your body adapts in terms like trains. Um, And I use the word trains very loosely because you kind of see it, um, uh, it's a little bit of a complex unity of how they integrate together. But to break it down in its simplest form, if you think about water, water is obviously it flows by nature. And that flow is often referenced towards mobility. So when you think about flow, a lot of times you think about like a yoga flow, um, going from one movement to the next and trying to make it as uninterrupted as possible. And that flow is also a really good representation of the emotional state of sadness or grief. So when you think about sadness or grief and how they translate to Um, what the feelings are in the body and how the that emotional state is you'll tend to find that most guys are more uncomfortable with that that state of sadness and grief and it's because it's not like a real culturally comfortable place for a lot of guys to be because it is like very um very opposite to where most guys kind of like reside And it's part of the reason why you typically don't see a lot of guys in things like yoga, obviously major gender, gender stereotyping. Um, But just as kind of a general, uh, you know, way of looking at it, it's part of the reason why those things don't always connect is because sadness and grief are sometimes harder to access for guys, but it also is the same area that women tend to do really well with is being very in tune to sadness and grief, also very in tune to the mobility and flexibility of their bodies. So those things go very hand in hand with each other. And by trying to understand the other, so for a guy going into a yoga class and getting more comfortable with being more relaxed, being more flow with the movement, it hopefully allows for kind of breaking down of some different barriers and allowing for more integration towards understanding maybe some trapped sadness, some trapped grief, that kind of thing. So that would be kind of the sadness idea. And then obviously different other representations based off of the other elements, depending on how deep you want me to go with each one.
1: Well, I, I just think it's very interesting how the thing that I emotionally avoid the most, what I hear you're describing is there is a, like, this is not separate from physical disciplines that mirror That emotional state, the ability to flow, the ability to be like the tree that goes with the wind and navigates the challenging situation, you know, to to be in that space. It's very interesting, the idea, because a lot of people, I think, okay, I'm making a generalization with that, but I think it's common, let us say that, to come to working out as this desire to, as you were saying a second ago, I want to lose X amount of weight. I want my biceps to be X amount of circumference. And yet you're talking about a radical level of self-examination, like working out as a means of getting deep, seemingly in the emotions that you most want to avoid. Is that an accurate statement?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And some of it too is understanding that the beautiful thing about the body and the way that it can integrate with the emotional state is that, you know, if you're doing this type of work, the idea is that you can, you can get there in an easier way than you would be if you were just trying to um, get there on your own, for instance. So an example would be if you were taking, let's say you take like a a big meathead, like a, a guy who has been training for years Doing powerlifting and strength training, and very, very, um, the muscle is very tight, um, and he tends to be kind of that idea. You take that person and you have them start to do more yoga esque movements, um, it allows their nervous system to go to a different state. So, the strength, like strength requirements, typically require the body to be in a very sympathetic state, meaning fight or flight. So it means your nervous system needs to be very activated. Now, that can be a very good thing. It gets demonized a lot, but that can be a very good thing if you're doing strength training because it allows your body to be a lot more protected. So if I'm, you know, let's say I'm uh, picking weight up off the ground and if I was extremely loose, like I was doing a yoga pose and I just completely round my back out and I just grab onto the weight and I just stand up however I want to stand up, The reason why that could be potentially dangerous is because if you have zero tension in your body, it's very difficult for your body to um, not rely strictly on your skeleton to make the movement happen. And when you're relying strictly on your skeleton, uh, well, bad things can happen. (laughs) You can get into very, you know, um, very unsafe body patterns. But by doing the work of getting more and more in that state of, kind of going the opposite way from what you're used to doing. So for instance, this strength character that i built up, if we take him and we get him more in that parasympathetic state, which is the, the more relaxed, more calming sensation in the body, it's going to allow his nervous system to take a little bit of a breather. And not only is that going to make it more integrated towards allowing him to go to other areas. So they've also found that like your parasympathetic state is also a way that you're um, you're typically more in tune towards getting into other areas of your your. You're basically more in tune with what else is going on in your body. Mm-hmm. So the fight or flight, the reason why fight or flight can be really good for a singular activity is because it allows everything to get heightened, but it also gives you tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. So it makes it really really difficult to focus on anything other than that one thing. Whereas a parasympathetic response allows you to kind of open up your field of vision, allows you to be able to take in more and be able to kind of almost think about things a a bit more than what you were um, previously. So allowing for more of that integration allows for that crossing over and allows for not only the strength person to get more in that parasympathetic state, but it also allows them to go back and forth between those states more Mm -hmm. comfortably. So it actually makes them better at what they're already doing as well as integrating something new that they can also focus on.
1: So the goal of this is to put yourself in emotional slash physical exercise based states that you are less comfortable going into you areas. Maybe you've abandoned for whatever reason. And we could talk about why someone would be more comfortable with strength, which I think you associate with fire and anger and that raw, like we could all talk about why certain individuals are going to be more comfortable with certain emotional states than others. But what is the ultimate goal? In a, So you want to go to those places that you've abandoned. I don't go to sadness enough as an, as an example, but not me specifically. I think that would be an interesting question too. Is the goal, what is the goal beyond to go to those areas that you don't know and that you don't go to? What is the do you have a sense of what the ultimate outcome you're seeking is there?
0: So I would say there's, there's a couple of different ways to unpack that. The first one being, why does there have to be a goal? <laughs> the second one being the goal is typically to maintain or get balance in an individual so, like, if I was to explain it to someone, you know, kind of, I would say the deeper answer is, why do you need a goal? I would say the, the more, like, explanatory answer would be the goal is to try and find balance. Um, most people can understand what balance is. Most people can understand that balance has a, a part to play in trying to find one's own self and one's own um, kind of journey along the way. But it also, the journey is the goal for if you get really like tuned in and you really like listen to the voice of um, where you might want to go, for a lot of people, they get so focused on where they want to go that they end up losing the forest for the trees. Like you really end up missing out on a lot more than if you just kind of let the journey take you where it wants to go. And um, I think that's a a big piece that can be if someone's in a place for it, that can sometimes be the most potent thing is just allowing that to go where it needs to or wants to go. Um, But another way of thinking about it is as a balanced individual, you're going to be able to grow at a much faster rate. You're going to be able to offer guidance and help along the way to other people. You're going to be able to get the success that you want in your life. Um, so balance ultimately, in my opinion, is like um, that would be like the area where I would try to help people get to the most would be trying to find a sense of balance. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you were talking about how being able to hear what your life is asking of you to, to do and be And it sounds like not being in balance, doubling down on a few emotions or coping mechanisms to deal with life. It seems like that can inhibit your ability to not only, as you said, be helpful to other people, but even hear or, or act on your, your own path, your own journey.
0: Yeah. I mean, a huge part of it is understanding that, um, understanding that your journey is going to be the teacher to a lot of people, whether you want it to be or not. Like we're all kind of on display, especially with social media and everything else. Like we're all kind of on this weird display where as you go through your journey, no matter how many hiccups or bumps or things along the way, you're gonna have people that look to you as a resource. You're also gonna have things and people who, um, who see you as a teacher, who might see you as uh, the person who they wanna be, and all those things are really helpful, but they definitely are things that you want to kind of be aware of that like your journey is not just your journey. It's kind of a journey that is going to help a lot of other people as well.
1: Oh, that's so good. I mean, it, it, the, what's at stake for you to really go toward your, your path is it's not just of benefit to you.
0: Yeah, and I think most of the time it's probably uh, those those real down in the dumps moments, those real moments that are like um, the hardest to get through, are probably the most beneficial for you personally. But then the other things that happen along the way, <clears throat> you can call them you know uh, you can call them whatever you want. The little hiccups along the way, those sometimes can be really nice resources for other people where maybe you don't really even think much about them, but they're things that people can pick up and really use a lot within their own lives. And, you know, I I definitely think that everyone, whether you want to be it or not, everyone has a little bit of being a teacher in them and just kind of getting more comfortable with the fact that like, that's just part of who each person is. Like we all have a little bit of a student inside of us and we all have a little bit of a teacher inside of us. Mm -hmm. And just kind of knowing that like a big part of our journey is understanding that like, we want to be a little bit of a uh, we want to help whenever we can but we also want to understand that we're here to to be helped as well right like it never gets too much um to just the student or just the teacher because that's usually when you end up uh, going down the rabbit hole of thinking that you're better than you know as long as you stay in that student mindset but understand that you're also a teacher Uh, that weird balance, I've found Mm -hmm. it to be probably the most beneficial in terms of really like growing and understanding and adapting and evolving.
1: It's interesting how that dichotomy of student and teacher has some connection to the name of my podcast, Epic Ordinary Lives. I think a lot of times folks can be uh, overly obsessed with the ordinary component of that, the you know, the, I I am only a student of life, or I am only even a victim of life could be another way of looking at it. My life is ordinary. It's not worthy. And what I've found so interesting about interviewing folks is that when they really sit back and look at their, their lives and their journeys and, you know, questions like, how did you get through that really hard period? It's like time after time, again, I stop recording and people are like, man, like my life is cooler than I thought it was. Like not everybody feels that way. Some, some folks are very cognizant of the journey, but I think it's very empowering. And it connects to what you're saying that, that your very existence is as much of a teacher to the rest of every single person that you're going to come into contact with as anybody else. You're, and, and, and it can all change, it seems like, just like in your story of going from being in the desert of Florida to where you are now, which you've, you've literally created your own your own thing with this, your own offering. And what I think is powerful for folks who may be listening is that you know you're talking about a form of training that addresses all of life that is not limited to the realm of biceps or glutes or, and I I just think that that's something to to kind of point to is that this is very much about all of one's life. It seems like with the elemental trainer.
0: Yeah. The, the main um, idea behind creating something like this was to help people understand that like, nothing is disconnected. Everything has a connection. The connections are the more connections you build in your own life and with different people and with the environment around you, the more connections you build, really the more, um, not only more of a network that you can pull off of, but also like just the more growth you're really going to have, you know, the the connections is really, in my opinion, what everything is about. So the more I can get somebody in a place where they really feel like they can connect well with other people and with nature and with everything that's around them. Um, To me, that's like really what life's about is trying to get as much connection as possible.
1: And so two more questions. You've really laid out for us listening this journey that required all these connections to be made. And now you're, you know, if we're looking at your life like a thread and there's two ends of that thread. And of course that we're not at the end of the thread, you're looking back at that earlier journey and all that had to, to go into that, to get to where you are now. Is there anything that you would say to that guy from where you sit right now with an elemental trainer hoodie on, you know, uh, is there anything you would say to that guy in Florida, in Naples, who's exhausted, who's burnt out, who's facing marriage struggles? Is there anything you would say to him from where you are?
0: You know, it's difficult because you don't become the person you are if you don't go through those struggles. So I'm a person that like, you know, as much as I look back and like would like to have done it differently, I wouldn't be where I am today if I did it differently. So it, it is a t- it is a very difficult thing to try and look back and say, Oh, I'd like to have done this, or I wish I would have done this. Um, you know, the, cause I could say like, Oh, I would have liked to never have mo- moved to Florida or to, but if I had never moved to Florida, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have felt such the opposite to know and get to enjoy where I live now. Um, I also wouldn't really appreciate what it feels like to really feel like home. Um, not, you know, without really removing myself from what I consider to be more my home. So all in all, I would, uh, I'd probably just say stick, stick, stick in there.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's also such a hopeful thing because folks might be listening and finding themselves in a place where they are not where they should be. And they, they might be feeling really down on that and time and time again, People that have made it through incredibly challenging circumstances would not trade those for anything because,
0: well, yeah, I was gonna say, when anytime that you go back to like that moment, so like a good example, and I've heard this said before, and I didn't really understand it until more recently. About once you get to where you're doing, um, you know, like something that feels more like you're in alignment, like it feels like, okay, I'm on my path, like I'm doing the thing that I'm meant to do. It feels like every experience you've ever had had to happen that way in order for Mm -hmm. you to get to this point. Like it's this very weird thing where you get to a point and you realize like, oh, that really shitty job, I had to learn this thing in order to know this thing, or I had to have this conversation to prepare me for this conversation. So I would definitely say that like for the person, you know, who would be listening, who would be feeling that sense of dread right now. Just know that like right now you are developing what you need for your venture of what you're going to be doing here in the next few years.
1: So if someone's listening and they want to hear more, they want to learn more, they're interested in possibly working with you. If you can tell us ways that you'd like folks to get in touch with you, how they can read more about the Elemental trainer, etc
0: yeah so my um i have a website the elementaltrainer.com and i have an instagram the elemental trainer i'm in the process right now of getting some youtube content up so that will be up soon but right now there's nothing on there so uh, nothing on youtube yet but i do have the channel and then um, i'm also a team instructor for MoveNet, so i lead certifications across the us and so that's something that um, i have a huge passion for and very excited to get to share with more people so that's, um, and that's on M O V N A T move Nat website. And, um, you can find me on there as well as if you want to train with me individually, like I said, I'm pretty booked up, but, uh, I'm always open for a chat and finding out what you, uh, what you might want to do and see if we might work together in the future.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for giving us time. And and thank you for so vulnerably sharing all these challenging moments, all of these, you know, I mean, I, I just think it's so hopeful for, for folks to hear that it's okay to suffer because of what it serves ultimately. And it's okay once you even do pick the right thing for the right thing to feel really hard for a while. So,
0: right on. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. It's, uh, it definitely is something where sometimes you got to, Sometimes you got to make the the big leap and sometimes you just got to wait. And most of the, most of the time, those two things will, uh, one will come after the other uh, sometimes one way, sometimes the other, but um, I will say that just because you're waiting doesn't mean that, um, that the journey is done or that anything has stopped moving. Sometimes you just got to be patient.
1: Thank you for the time. Whoever's listening, wherever you are, whether you're in the waiting or whether you're in the fire, uh, may you find the, find the way to get on your path and keep walking. Right on. All right. Well, hope that you enjoyed part two with Seth Budai. Again, you can find more of what he's doing at the elementaltrainer.com for more episodes of the podcast you can go to epicordinarylives.com. As we close out 2020, if you're listening right now and you've been a part of listening to these episodes that have been released this year, I just want to thank you so much for being on this journey. It is my belief and goal that sharing people's stories is healing not only to the listener, but to the person telling the story. And that realizing just how important your individual story is not only to your own life but to everyone else's that's what i hope to cultivate in this podcast now and in 2021 when we return so until then please take care of yourself and continue to walk your own unique and beautiful journey take care